Hi there. Thank you for joining us on this week's sermon podcast of Living Word Pretoria East. We believe that this message will bless your heart and enrich your walk with Jesus. It is such a wonderful privilege just to be able to minister the Word of God to you this morning. And I want to really pray that you will open your heart to receive. Are you guys excited to be here? Amen. I want to tell you this. I'm not here for you. (laughs) And you are not here for me. We are all here for Him. Amen. God builds His church. You are here for you and you are here for Him. Amen. So let's open our hearts to receive what the Holy Spirit wants to say. We've been dealing with the kingdom series. Can I just see by the race of hands who found it helpful? It really blessed and stirred my heart and stirred the way I think about things, the way I approach things. And, and for those of you who are, who are new this morning, I'm going to lay a quick foundation, a very, very quick foundation, just to be cognitive of you. For those of you online who may be just dialed in today for the first time, I just wanna, I'm going to lay a quick foundation so that we can just all be on the same page. I'm going to teach a bit this morning, amen, so I'm going to try my best to stand still, and then I'm going to go over into preaching. Can we do that? All right, amen. Do you have a notebook here? Raise your hand if you don't have a notebook here. I'll catch you afterwards, see if you remember what I said. So this is what it says. This is a quick foundation, guys. We said the glory of God was put in Adam. We are formed in His image and His likeness, and image means nature. So we were likened to God's nature, and Adam lost that nature because he was disobedient, amen? Not amen to his disobedience, amen, because the Word of God is true. Come on, guys. And the Word says that all the earth is waiting for the glory, come on, the glory of what? Of the manifestation of the sons of God. All the earth is waiting for the glory of the manifestation of the sons of God. Pastor Volmer said, this is the definition of kingdom. See, a kingdom is a governing influence of a king over his territory, impacting his will, his purpose, and his intent, producing a citizenry of people who express his culture and reflect his nature. So if you want to find the kingdom, you have to find the king. Amen. He is the king of kings. John 18, 36 36 says, My kingdom is not of this world. His kingdom is not of this world, which means our kingdom as citizens are also not of this world. He says, Hebrews 12, 28, Therefore let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and let us offer to God acceptable worship, acceptable worship, a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Look at your neighbor and say this, say, my kingdom cannot be shaken. His kingdom cannot be shaken. Our kingdom cannot be shaken. Come on, amen. A king is never voted into power. Who knows that? A king is never voted into power. It is generational. He is born to be a king. 
See, a king's authority is in his birthright. And that's why Jesus cannot be voted out of power. Because he was never voted into power. He was given by the king of kings. And he is our rightful king. Amen. And that makes us citizens of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. We're the king that cannot be voted out. Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Now, for a very long time, guys, let me just tell you a joke quickly while I'm here. <laughs> I believed it was righteousness and peace and then joy in the Holy Ghost. But then I realized that righteousness and peace should also be in the Holy Ghost, not only joy. Amen? took me five years to catch that, but I've got it now. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Luke 17, 20, 22, and I want to just read this to you quickly. It says, and when he was demanded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God cometh not with observations, neither shall they say, go ye or go therefore behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Put your hand in your belly. Say, the kingdom of God is within me. I want to quote a very famous pastor this morning. Can I quote him? His name is Pastor Volmar. He said, we cannot remain pregnant forever. We must give birth. There is a kingdom within us. There is a kingdom inside of us, and we, get, we are getting, come on, church. Give him a round of applause. We, we have a kingdom inside of us, and we're moving into a time, into a spot. And I said, I'm not going to start preaching, so I'm going to just keep on teaching when I get there now. And we have to give birth to this kingdom. We have to give birth. Galatians 3.16 says, Now these promises were decreed to Abraham and to his seed. God does not say unto seeds, as if referring to many, but as to one. And to your seed, who is Christ. Christ sent our King, the seed inside of us, the kingdom that we should give birth to. I want you to catch it this morning. We have to start praying that God will increase the seed that is inside of us. See, Christ is the seed inside of us. When we're giving birth, we're giving birth to that seed inside of the kingdom inside of us. Amen? We've got to change the way we speak, change the way we think. We don't give birth. Stop, stop praying, guys, for bigger churches. Stop praying for greater revelations. Stop praying for bigger businesses. And start praying that God will multiply and expand the seed that is placed inside of you so that his kingdom can be extended. That was his initial purpose, amen? And we're going to get to that now. I'm getting excited. So this morning I'm going to speak about the principle of governance and giving within a kingdom culture. Governance and giving within a kingdom culture. And they are qualities and characteristics of a king that we need to understand in order to understand the message of the kingdom. See, this is what Jesus preached, the message of the kingdom. 
And we have to understand these characteristics to understand what the kingdom means. Amen? Who knows that? So I'm going to give you a short history lesson. Amen? And then we're going to jump into the Word of God. The Bible, I mean, we're already there. The Bible is about a king and his kingdom. And his original purpose and plan was that his kingdom should be extended on earth. So his heavenly kingdom, the kingdom that cannot be shaken, the kingdom that was placed inside of Adam before he disobeyed, the original plan and purpose was that God would extend that kingdom into the earth through his kings, citizens of that kingdom. Which says he's the king of kings that makes us kings. That's why the kingdom is inside of us so that we can have dominion and authority over it and extend it into the world. That was God's original plan and purpose. And when we understand the principles of governing and giving in a kingdom, we have to understand this first, that God never gave man ownership over the world. God has not given us ownership over this world. Pastor Edgar, but you're confusing me. You just said, listen to me. God has not given us ownership over this world. The word says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. God has merely given his kings the authority to govern and steward what God already owns. That's why, as kings, we're not allowed to rule over one another. We rule over what God has given his kingdom that was unshaken, an extension in the earth over every living creature, over every bird in the sky. That is what we rule over and have dominion over, over what God already has, that which belongs to God. We just become faithful stewards and governors inside his kingdom. Now understand this, when wealth is then transferred inside of this kingdom from one king to another, who does it belong to? It belongs to God. It always, it, it always belongs to God. And I want you to just realize and capture this this morning because we're going to see how governance and giving within a kingdom releases a certain manifestation according to the word of God. But we have to bear in mind that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and everything already belongs to him. That's why when we preach giving, we say we give as an expression of our praise and our thankfulness towards God with a heart of worship that realizes and recognizes that everything that we have already belongs to him. He is the king of kings. Amen. So in biblical history, it was an insult to go to a king without bearing a gift. In biblical history, when you entered into the presence of a king, you had to bring a gift. A gift ushers one into the presence of the great. I'm going to teach you a bit about kingdom culture, biblical kingdom culture, amen? When a king went to another king, you had to bring a gift. Who likes that? You know, three minutes from now, you're not going to like it, guys, and no, I'm kidding. So it is what we call royal protocols. In other words, it is something that was normally expected within a kingdom culture. A king would bring a gift when that king came into the presence of another king. So there's three things here that are, that are crucial. I want you to write this down. We're going to go through it systematically. It's not something you decided. It's not you decided I wanted to bring or not bring a gift to a king. When a king 
went to the palace or kingdom of another king, you were obligated by kingdom culture as part of, of, as part of royal protocol to bring a gift. Okay. So the power of a king was displayed in his wealth. Who knows that? The power of a king in the Bible. Let me just rewind one second. Listen, guys. I'm not going to give you a prosperity teaching. I'm going to teach you the word of God. When I use the word wealth, it's in the Bible because it is. Amen. Fresh down, shaken together. Okay. I'm not talking about wealth does not mean money also. It means many things. Okay. The wealth of a earthly king. Not a king like you and me who are kings because we are born again. A earthly king in the Old Testament, their wealth was displayed by their physical wealth, what they owned, gold, silver, and by their territory, by their land. That's how their wealth was displayed. If you look at King Solomon, the more they had, the more power they had in biblical terms. Amen? Does that make sense to everybody? All right. The second thing we have to understand that the purpose of a king's wealth was to secure his reputation. The power was in the amount of wealth he had. The amount of wealth was then used by the king to secure his reputation. That's why certain kings had certain reputations. Amen? His reputation was determined by the accumulation of his wealth. When he was wealthier than other kings, he was respected by those kings. That's why he had different nations, different kingdoms, different kings ruling in that place. I want you to hear this. We never hear the two words put together, poor and king. Heard about that in the Bible before, the poor king. Even in your fairy tales, when they read you these little books when you're a small girl, we don't hear about the word poor and the word king in the same sentence. There was a reason for that, biblically. I'm giving you a history lesson so you can understand where we're going to, New Testament. Amen. And the third thing, the glory of a king was in his power to outgive other kings. The glory of a king in the Old Testament was measured by his power to outgive other kings. You're not gonna, you're not, you have to catch this. Open your heart. The glory of a king. The glory of a king was measured by his ability to outgive other kings. Kings would compete with other kings by showing how much glory they had. I'm going to show you it's in the Bible, okay? We don't see the word glory used when we speak about presidents or prime ministers. The glory of Jacob Zuma. Have you heard that story? No. The glory of... We don't speak about glory and presidents in the same... It, it's, it, it does, we speak about glory and kings. The glory of Greece. The glory of Rome. The glory of God. Glory and kings, they go together. So their glory was displayed by their ability to outgive other kings. So we see the story in the Bible... <laughs> I'm not going to stop preaching now, Plaza. Can I do that? So we see this story in the Bible where, where King she, when Queen Sheba, who was a king queen, went to visit King Solomon. But this is how the glory was displayed. If I had to come to Yaku as a king, I had to bring him a gift. The gift that I would give him would display what I think of this king 
and he had a responsibility to respond and give me a gift greater than the one I gave to him. He could not give me a gift equal to mine. He had to respond as a king and give me a greater gift, which would then show that his glory was greater than my glory. So if you were a wise king, strategically, you would go to bigger and greater kingdoms and bring them gifts and honor them, and they would have to respond and give you greater gifts. This is why, this, come on guys, so this is why Queen Sheba goes to King Solomon, because he was the wealthiest man on the earth. He had this kingdom, and she brings him something. Now, she's strategic here, but I want you to understand why, because she was wise. This is what the word says. It says, Blessed be the Lord God who has delighted one king sin. Sorry, I. Blessed be the Lord your God who has delighted in you and set you on the throne of Israel because the Lord loved Israel forever. He has made you a king that you may execute justice and righteousness. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost as kings. They had to execute righteousness and justice as kings in the Old Testament also. Then she gave the king 120 talents of gold a very great quantity of spices and precious stones, and never again came such an abundance of spices as these that Queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. Now she's strategic here because she's bringing these spices, and she knows that he cannot respond with something less. He had a responsibility as a king to prove his glory, take what she has given, press it down, shake it together, multiply it, and send it back to her. Amen? So... We see that never again. Just, just understand this for a second. The word says that every year they came and gave Solomon gifts. Every year. He was already a wealthy man. Why would people come and still bring him wealth? Because they understood the principle of what it means to give to a king. They understood the responsibility the king had after he received a gift from the one who comes into his presence. So she brings him this gift, and it goes further, verse 13. You just go to that one to save some time, and it says, And King Solomon gave to, queen, to the queen of Sheba all that she desired. All that she desired. Now I know that ladies can sometimes place the mind, hey? All that she desired, whatever she asked besides what was given to her by the bounty of King Solomon. So she turned and went back to her own land with her servants. King Solomon gave the queen of Sheba all that she desired, whatever she asked besides what was given to her by the bounty of King Solomon. Now in biblical terms, you can go and read the history. More or less, King Solomon gave her back seven times what she initially brought into his palace just to display his glory because you said the glory of a king was measured by his ability to outgive another king he had a responsibility and he responded the law of a king obligation when you give to a king he is obligated to exceed your gift he is the king of kings. We are kings in his kingdom. Whenever we bring him anything in the form of worship, of time, God is obligated to respond 
press down, multiply, and return. This is the king we serve. But you first have to understand what happened before we got there. See Matthew 2, 1 to 5 says the following. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem was with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it was written by the prophet. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. I want you to, to, to understand what happens here. This is going to change revelation and it's going to change your life. First of all, there was not three wise men. Can you say amen? The word does not say three wise men. It does not say three gifts. So when you go to your nursery school again and they do the play of Jesus, please rebuke the head of the school, and say, put 10 wise men on there, or 15, not three. I want you to catch this this morning. <laughs> Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. A magi is the word used. They were called magis. Three wise men, <laughs> three wise men, <laughs> three blind mice. <laughs> wise men, <laughs> magi, rebuke you. <laughs> See, they were called Magi's. Now, the word Magi is translated to this. I want you to catch this quickly. A Magi was a powerful ruler. A Magi was a powerful ruler, a king of a local authority. The word says they came from the east. East of where he was born. Jordan, north of Syria all the way down to Egypt, and all the way to even Mideast states east of that. They were kings of local authorities that came to worship this baby that was born. They served gods, pagan gods, moon worshippers, star worshippers, and they specialized in what we call today astrology. I want you to catch this, guys. Listen to what the word says. Wise men, magis from the east came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose. They saw a star who shone light on the earth. And to them it meant that a royal person was born. They didn't know King Jesus. They're not Jews, guys. They're from the Middle East, serving pagan gods, moon worshippers, star worshippers. They're kings of local authorities. And they're following this star, passing another king, King Herod, who knew something. And they're on their way to this king. 
it says, when they saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. See, they left a position of being worshipped to go and worship as kings, as magis, as local rulers. They left a place of being worshipped to go and worship. Okay, we're going to get there now, guys. It's beautiful. Worship demands a gift, and giving is worship. See, worship demands a gift, and giving is worship. That's why we worship the king of kings. Now catch the story. They go all the way, past King Herod, to this royal king, whom they were told about from the stars. And when they get there, they find what? A little baby boy. Now kings gave to other kings because they knew when they gave this king had an obligation to respond with something greater. Now see the picture. They're coming with gold, with myrrh, with frank incense to this baby, to this baby, not to this poor baby, because Joseph was a carpenter guy. He wasn't a farmer. He wasn't a fisher. So stop saying Joseph was poor. He wasn't poor. He was a carpenter. He was a builder. He was a mouthy man. He's the man who paid for the incense when Jesus died. I want you to get that, just change your mindset here for a second. He didn't stay. He didn't stay that night because he went to the hotels and said, hey guys, I got some bucks. Can I sleep here? Like, we fool. So, so stop. I want you to hear this. Stop telling the story about poor Jesus and poor Joseph. Joseph was a wealthy man. He was a businessman. He was educated in the Bible. He was chosen to be the father of Jesus with Mary. Kings came from the east all the way to bring gifts. Gold. doesn't say a bowl of gold and a bowl. They brought gold, frank incense, and myrrh to this king. And when they got there, they saw this little baby boy. And I think Mary was thinking, what is going on? Why do we have these rulers? Why do we have all these people bringing gifts? And they knew that they had to be obedient to what they saw. And they gave him the gifts. Now understand, this was uncommon for them. Because their glory was displayed by their ability to outgive other kings. But then the king who received the gift had a responsibility to return it in greater measure. Here's a little boy, and they give him, and they give him gold and myrrh and frankincense. Listen to what the word says. I mean, I'm just thinking about it for a second. Why would you even give a baby gold? Why would you even just take a pot of gold like here's a million rands worth of gold? Just, just give it to your kid. We got like, I don't know, comforters and shake things and now these babies are getting gold and incense. Anyway, it goes further. Verse 10, it says, When they saw the star, 
they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, verse 11, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and fell and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They bring these gifts. See, value is not how much you pay for a gift. Value is how much it costs you. Value is not what you pay for a gift. Value is how much a gift costs you. And these kings go all the way and brings these gifts to a little baby boy completely within kingdom culture but abnormal they were expecting something else and this is the thing that's beautiful the king of king what they didn't knew is the king of king his response was this he gave one king one king to a earth full of kings who then died on a cross and was resurrected and then gave a gift that could never ever never ever and give again never ever they were obedient to the word of God God responds as a king with an obligation he responds he responds and gives a son a king to an earth full of kings who then dies on a cross who pours out his Holy Spirit the gift of the Holy Spirit and never ever again can any king display their glory by bringing a gift for this was the greatest gift ever given and because of this gift we as kings now hold the ability because the veil was torn we now hold the ability to go away into God's glory see Moses couldn't see God's glory because he couldn't be born again we in the kingdom greater than him, John. They couldn't see God's glory and God's response to what's happening here is he brings and gives a gift that can never be given again. And it gives us, the kings on earth, with a mandate to govern and to give and to extend his heavenly kingdom the ability to access his glory. The glory of a king is measured by his ability to outgive other kings. The king we serve gave what no other king could or will ever give. And that is the king that we serve. And that is the king that we serve. I'm going to close with this. 
John 14 says, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. If you knew the gift of God and who, is that, and who it is that is giving it to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. See, this thirsty woman at the well went to the well to have some water. Jesus, who is the living well, then goes to her and says, can you give me a drink? I don't think Jesus was thirsty. I think Jesus was setting her up to give something to a king because he knew he had a responsibility to respond. Now listen to this. Now listen to this. The kingdom is the well. Religion is the bucket. And if we miss the kingdom and fall into religion, we will have to come back to the well every day when we are thirsty. The only thing you need to do to access the well is you have to take your cup and throw it into the well. You don't take your water to the desert, guys. <laughs> you take your water to the well. Because he has a responsibility to press it down, shake it together, and to respond with the well of living water, the King of Kings and the Lord of Hosts. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, we thank you for the ability that we have as kings to bring a gift into the presence of the greatest king of all time. We thank you for your kingdom. We thank you, Lord, for your glory. And we thank you, Lord, that we can access that. Lord, it's our heart's desire. It's our heart's desire to extend your kingdom on earth and to bring this good news, Lord, so that other kings may also come and present their gifts to you. We love you. We honor you. We give you praise and we thank you for your son Jesus. We thank you for the greatest gift ever given. atmosphere I'm going to really read something, I'm just going to give the ashes a chance you can just take up an offering, we're not going to share a message 
But I want you to understand this this morning, guys. Our king is a faithful king. Our king is the only king who gave a gift that no other king could give. We need to get to a place as a church where we change our mindset. I want you to focus on me, guys. Even if you just say, just focus on me. We need to get to a place where we change our mind shift. We've got to shift our minds and change the way we think. This morning, while that's doing offering, I'm going to close with this story. This morning, I was just reading the scripture of the lady that, that took the oil, that alabaster flask, and she broke it at the feet. She put it over Jesus. She was the only lady in a room of 12 men. And they said, what are you doing? Why this waste? And Jesus, this king, he responds. And he says, leave her alone. Leave her alone. Because he understood his responsibility for the gift she brought to him. The religious wanted her to sell it and give it to the poor. But God understood that he had a responsibility to respond when she brought what was valuable to him. And the word says, 12 as witness, but the whole world will know. And even today, 2,000 years later, I'm still testifying of the act of the lady who brought a gift to the King of Kings. So my prayer is this for us as a church. May our lives and everything that we do be a gift unto the King of Kings and allow Him to respond. Amen. Amen. We're going to just pray for some people afterwards. So we're going to remain in this atmosphere. You can stand up. You can have a coffee. I want to encourage you to spend some time, fellowship. We're going to have a ministry team available. We're going to pray for you. We love you. We honor you. Thank you for allowing me to minister the word to you this morning. It's, it's always a privilege. And um, I pray that this word will even echo in your spirit and that it will illuminate as the week goes by and that you will truly understand what it means to bring a gift as a king to a king. And I pray for the manifestation of that response over your life and over generations to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like to know more about our ministry, visit our website at lwpe.co.za. You are formed to function, so let's build.